The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, an interesting word, balance. Oh, what could she possibly mean? Let's get started. Whether you call it work-life balance, whether you go with the more current phrase of work-life integration, some days anything called balance just seems impossible. My question to our listeners is how can you become and centered, ah, wouldn't that be nice, and productive and happy? with 24-7-365 for some of us, work distractions and deadlines and ambiguity in the workplace structure. Plus, on the other side where we're supposed to be balanced, you've got the demands of family and sleep. What is that word? Sleep and leisure and hobbies and activities and friends. OMG. So the question is, is there a business benefit to our finding balance among the many facets of our daily lives? Does it behoove and benefit our company? Companies to help us find that balance. I have a panel of experts, and when I say experts, I mean it. They know from where they speak. They're going to help us figure out how to achieve it. Apparently, it is achievable, so let's get started. First up on the panel, I'd like to welcome Pamela Weiss. She's the founder of Appropriate Response. She's also the creator of the award-winning personal excellence program known as PEP. And Pamela sent me a great quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Let me read the quote and then we'll talk to Pam. She says, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly from MLK Martin Luther King. Pamela Weiss, thank you. Welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. So tell me about why you picked this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King on our topic of balance and the benefits to our companies. Talk to me. I, my feeling is that what I've seen is that uh, lack of balance, or what we're calling balance, and the various symptoms that you described are actually from a single source, which is a lack of uh, connection. And when I say connection, I mean people in the fast-paced world that we live get disconnected from themselves, from other people, and from the world. And it's the break in that relationship to our uh, environment, to ourselves, to others, that actually is what creates those symptoms. So that the, uh, the practices that myself and Mark and Peter will be talking about are really... Uh, at their essence, about helping people integrate in a way by reconnecting. 
Interesting. And reconnecting with self, is that the core? Is that the key, Pamela? Um, well, I think in the context of the question that you're asking about what creates the lack of balance, um, from my perspective, yes. Okay, I had a feeling. Well, I'm hoping to learn from you and the other panelists. I certainly could use a little more balance. I think I'm almost there, but let's see if we can get me more unbalanced than off. Thank you very much, and I know our listeners will appreciate it. This is a topic, by the way, that impacts everybody anywhere in the world in any size company, and we're talking, of course, to a business audience here on the Business Channel on Voice America World Talk Radio. Thank you, Pamela. Great start to our topic. Let's bring on a repeat guest. It's Mark Lesser. He's the CEO, founder, and board member of SIYLI.org. He will explain that in a moment. And the author of Know Yourself, Forget Yourself. I love that title. And Mark sent me the following quote. There is scientific evidence that mindfulness practice can support leaders to cultivate more acceptance and openness and reduce fear necessary in supporting innovation. And we're all about innovation. Mark Lesser, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thanks. Good to be back. Wonderful. Glad, glad to have you. So talk to me about how this relates to our topic of balance and the business benefits of our companies, our organizations, helping us find it. That's our real focus today. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I think uh, cultivating acceptance and openness, kind of what, what, Pam, what Pamela was just saying in terms of uh, one's relationship with oneself is has been, uh, it's just in a way it's obvious, but also there's more and more um, scientific evidence of the relationship of uh, mindfulness practice, which in some way, there's many ways to talk about mindfulness, but one is to uh, cultivate a radically different uh, relationship with yourself uh, as a way of uh, cultivating more presence and openness. And the scientific evidence is uh, is really interesting. I, I, I love how um, one of the ways that I, I hear how scientists talk about science is that our own experience uh, is hugely important, uh, but that science has a way of showing us some things that may be outside of our experience and even uh, counterintuitive, such as neuroplasticity, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that more later. I'm sure we will. And, and Mark, tell everybody what S-I-Y-L-I is, please. It's silly. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pronounced as silly, and we say that uh, our company is seriously silly, and it stands for Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And Search Inside Yourself was a program uh, that um, I was one of the developers of within, within Google. It's a mindfulness and emotional intelligence program for leaders uh, based in science. Wonderful, and I know we're going to be touching upon the concept of emotional intelligence in the business context. So thank you very much, Mark. Great to have you back. And third up on the panel, a newcomer to SAP Radio, it's Peter Bostelman. He is a director, the director of mindfulness programs at SAP. And Peter sent me the following quote, Mindfulness is a leading-edge inner technology, not at all about being esoteric or touchy-feely. Well, thanks for that. It is evidence-based, self-empowering mental training known by ancient wisdom traditions and today he agrees with Mark it's backed by modern science so we're marrying the concept with the science and let's talk to Peter Bostelman how are you today Peter welcome thank you Bonnie I'm very well um, yeah so so um, this is my response to many people since I'm the director of mindfulness in an engineering based company and I'm mm-hmm. kind of trained trained engineer myself um, I experience sometimes, not very often, but sometimes that people 
perceive, ah, you do mindfulness, uh huh, and they have this bias of this is something esoteric or new agey. And my response is no, this is just, um, it's evidence based training, which helps you to be, yeah, to increase your well being, to increase many things. We will talk about this more, more in depth, and that this is known since thousands of years by, by old wisdom traditions, and now the science is also backing it up, as Mark was saying. So it's my, my main response when I. People get this uh, um, funny look to me when they hear about my role. <laughs> now, now, Peter, I want to ask you a question first before we get to what's in your cup today, our little storytelling segment. Telling segment. I want to ask you a question, then I'm going to go back to Mark and Pamela and ask the following question. SAP, for example, where you and I are, are both employed, Peter, it's a very big company, 67, 68, 70,000 people. And how is it that a company that large and that entrenched in layers and all kinds of functionality and, and business requirements and bottom line pressures, we have that every single day, how is it that a company is able to embrace the concept of mindfulness and bring you on as a director of mindfulness program? So my question is, how does big business take a, a step back and say, wow, this could really help us. Let's do something about it. Let's put in a mindfulness program. How does that evolve? I'm very curious. Peter, let's have a brief answer from you and then Pam, Pamela and Mark. Go ahead, Peter. Well, this is also, thank you for asking, this is also cutting, mm-hmm. a cutting-edge program. And, um, well, it started as a grassroots initiative that uh, many people were, like, interested. And while they were, like, hmm, a little skeptical, specifically from our um, uh, higher executives, um, we started mm-hmm. the grassroots and we started pilots. And we could show that first people really uh, were excited about it. They liked the program when they went through this training of mindfulness-based emotional intelligence. And I cooperate there and worked very close with Mark Lesser and his organization. And we could also show that there is business impact um, in this training, that people, that their well-being is increasing, that their engagement is increasing, their capacity to focus, and so on. And we are, at the moment, piloting this in a global scale, and we get very, very promising results, to my big pleasure, in this pilot, and we are planning to do the bigger rollout afterwards. Wonderful. Thank you. So there was some skepticism. That's what I was looking for because we don't have to pretend there wasn't, do we, Peter? This is real world. We're doing real business talk here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So thank you for the honesty. I appreciate that. Mark Lesser, what do you observe? Uh, Peter said that you worked with him on this. What do you observe in terms of skepticism? Do people say, oh, touchy-feely, give me a break, not in my company? How do you get past that, Mark? <laughs> sure, there's there's um, there's often quite a bit of skepticism and we um, we've learned to say bring it on bring on we, we want we want people to come in with their skeptical minds which was part of why uh, when when the search inside yourself program uh, was developed um, at Google we started with science that we we wanted we were our audience was uh, Google engineers who had very skeptical uh, scientific, data-driven minds, and that's where we needed to start. But right away, uh, when, as soon as we got past that, yes, there is there is some there is actually some scientific evidence for the role, uh, the results of a mindfulness uh, practice that people dropped into their own um, experience, and and that 
um, that opened up lots and lots of doors. As soon as people got past initial skepticism, mm-hmm. they, they saw that uh, this kind of work was really um, life-changing and had a huge impact not only on their work lives, things like uh, productivity and leadership skills, but seemed to be affecting their, in, their entire lives. So when you talk about uh, work-life balance, we're talking about a practice that really is aimed at the whole person. Okay, thank you very much. And Pamela Weiss, I'd like you to chime on this as well before I ask you what you're all drinking. Um, I would just agree and echo what um, Mark and Peter said. I have not done work specifically in inside SAP, but I've done work in lots of other organizations. And for me, the, the question was how to translate um, the teachings of mindfulness into a language that people were able to be receptive to and open to. And what I saw actually was while there was sometimes initial skepticism based on the language, that actually there was a tremendous uh, hunger for people in the workplace to find ways to both connect, as I was describing, more deeply with themselves and also to have forums and formats where they could connect Mm -hmm. more deeply with each other. And I think the uh, wave of mindfulness programs at SAP is just testimony to that. Thank you, Pamela. I would guess, in response to all three of you, that there may be a sigh of relief on the part of very busy people in big companies and maybe small companies who say, ah, they want me to have some balance. They want me to take a breath from time to time. Maybe I can be a whole person now. That, that sounds to me like a really good idea. Now we're going to take a breath and take a break. Before we go to break, I have the big question of the day because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Let's start with Pamela Weiss. What are you drinking right now or what do you wish you were drinking, Pamela? Tell me a little story, please. I am a green tea fanatic. So I have a fairly elaborate rituals that I do with purchasing really wonderful um, green tea and in beautiful uh, ceramic pottery, and uh, it's an important part of my morning to get me started for the day. Pamela, that's lovely. I want to know a little more about your ritual. Just tell us for a couple seconds. What do you 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 obviously buy it in a beautiful container? But is there a place you go, or are you searching around the world for beautifully encased green tea? Tell us more. I um, have uh, searched far and wide, mostly in San Francisco, where I live, for um, tea shops that import uh, teas that are um, uh, you know I've tr- I've tried everything from green to oolong to white and so for me it's an ongoing exploration and the ritual I do is at home so I have a wonderful pot and some beautiful ceramic mugs and so it's part of my morning to uh, uh, begin with that uh, ritual as I said. I love it. I love it. The fact that having a cup of tea and making the preparation and the search for the tea part of the pleasure sounds very, very good. Thank you, Pamela. You have inspired me. Mark Lesser, what's in your cup today or what are you thinking about drinking? Give me a good one. I'm drinking in sunshine this morning. I'm actually sitting here in my in the Search Inside Yourself office in the Presidio, and we have this amazingly beautiful office environment. Uh, we have uh, 12 or 15 foot high ceilings and just com- some completely glass uh, from from floor to the ceiling. And there's just uh, sunshine pouring in here, touching my 
uh, my coffee cup this morning. <laughs> and what kind of coffee are you drinking? Tell me. <laughs> I'm actually. I just. Um, I just got some uh, some Phil's Silken Splendor coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, be still my heart. Uh, Malcolm Kimberlin, who works with me on SAP Radio, is a big Phil's fan, so I'm waiting for him to say something like on Twitter, something like, I'm drinking my cup of love from Phil's. Uh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Peter Bostelman, what drinkest thou today? So I blend the uh, two previous persons. Um, I have a cup of Phil's green tea in my hand, <laughs> and my, <laughs> my my ritual is... Whenever I commute, and I'm sitting today in our beautiful South San Francisco office, also overlooking the bay, um, I walk for a few minutes just around my house, uh, one block, two blocks from there. It's a full store, and I, I love to go in the morning for a few minutes and to enjoy the good morning weather, which, which was today, and have a few conscious uh, breathes, and then get my tea and go back to the car and then do my commute. So this is my morning morning routine when I, when I have enough time uh, and I'm going on a commute but I have a few meters of walking before. And I'm enjoying yeah, a, a green tea with some milk and some light honey in it. Oh, sounds wonderful. The three of you have put me into a totally relaxed state, which is good, but not when you're moderating live radio. So I'm going to sit up straight and take a deep breath here. By the way, I have a note for you, Peter, from Karen Geraldo, who is a fan of SAP Radio. She's always listening and tweeting, and she says, Serious silliness sounds right to me. Peter, she might have also meant that from Mark, I have a feeling, serious silliness. So, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Karen, thank you. It's always wonderful. I always retweet, but I don't often say thank you, Karen, for listening and for commenting. We really appreciate that. Keep those comments coming. Yes, yes, yes. Guess what? Now it's really time for a break. Our topic today is balance at work, the business case for health. Is your company on board? Are you thinking about it? Do you still feel skepticism? Is it still sounding woo-woo, touchy-feely? Well, I have three experts who are going to do their best to convince you otherwise. There are business benefits, and we'll get to it right after the break when we enter our 30-minute roundtable nonstop segment. So, Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial will be right back. Mike out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Okay, yes, we have a tweet from Malcolm. He says, Mark Lesser, doing less, at doing less, joining me remotely and sharing our cups of love from Phil's Coffee. I told you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. I have an announcement in case you haven't been keeping track. I believe, to my best knowledge, this is live episode number 150. So we reached a little bit of a milestone. Our topic today is balance at work, the business case for health. My esteemed panelists are Pamela Weiss, founder of Appropriate Response and creator of the Personal Excellence Program, that's PEP. Mark Lesser, CEO, founder and board member of Silly, S-I-Y-L-I dot org and author of Know Yourself, Forget Yourself and Peter Bostelman, director of mindfulness programs at SAP. So let's dive deep into our roundtable. We're going to go about 25 minutes nonstop. Panelists, put your seatbelts on. We're going to go for a ride. Pamela Weiss, I'd like to start with you. Some comments you sent me before the show, you wanted to share a Zen story, and I'm just going to read this briefly. Student to teacher, what is the teaching of your entire lifetime? Teacher, an appropriate response. So talk to me about that and how we're constantly, you think people are perpetually busy and getting worn out from our, what you call, rearranging the furniture lifestyles. Pamela Weiss, please speak. Um, The story is a way that I often describe what the real impact of mindfulness is, that we may think that mindfulness is um, about helping us calm down or get more centered, and while all of those things are true, I think that what people are really looking for, particularly in the sort of speed and complexity of the life that we're living, is a way to respond appropriately to the flood, if you will, of what's coming at us day by day. And so for me, the story captures the kind of um, pith version of what mindfulness practice can offer and what the impact can be. And in the note that I had sent to Bonnie prior, I said that what I've seen so often is that people imagine that they'll find real satisfaction, or we could even say balance, by continuously Mm -hmm. trying to change up the circumstances of their life to move things a little left or a little right or Mm -hmm. what I call rearranging the furniture. And what I've seen over time is that really it just wears us out. We keep moving things around and wondering why we're so tired. And in fact, as we said, we're all talking about earlier that mindfulness is fundamentally about shifting our relationship to what's happening rather than to continue to move external events around, hoping to get a different result. Thank you, Pamela. Mark Lesser, thoughts on what Pamela just introduced, the concept of rearranging the furniture? I love the, the, um, <laughs> I love the idea of moving. I just bought a new couch, Pamela, <laughs> and I hate it. I hated it 10 minutes after it got delivered, and I found out that furniture companies have a no-return policy. So <laughs> I, I have lived with it for five days. I finally marched back to the store. I said, I don't care what you charge me. I can't live with this thing. I'm tired of moving it left and right. I want another one, and we made a good deal last night, and the new one's coming Friday. So I'm hoping to finally stop rearranging the furniture and I know that I know there's a uh, parallel there in life Mark Lesser thoughts yeah I think that's one of the uh, problems with the word balance is that it's easy to picture kind of almost like a you know like a scale in which we have we have a certain amount of things over on one side and a certain amount of things over on the other side and that it's as as Pamela was saying it's the sense of just moving things around, which uh, it can both be exhausting and not lead anywhere. Uh, wh- one of the um, 
one of the images that I have always liked about what um, what mindfulness practice is or what mindfulness meditation is is the sense of removing all of the furniture, taking every like a real house cleaning. Start by mm-hmm. um, going back to uh, a kind of a zero place, and then deciding. Uh, what to bring back in, uh, and so leaving leaving all the things that are extra, the bad habits, the things that don't that don't serve us, leaving those out outside, and that um, this is a this is a very uh, kind of a radically different sense of uh, how to shift your relationship with yourself as opposed to the usual uh, idea of balance. So this is a very different kind of. In fact, it's going back to to the quote. It's developing. A true and skillful uh, responsiveness. Uh, how do we develop more responsiveness in our lives as opposed to just moving the furniture around? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Thank you. Peter Boselman, join us on this conversation. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, I want to want to say that the shift uh, to, um, to your more inward experience or to your own resources is a shift towards more self-awareness. And this helps you to get out of this um, mindful clutter. So often we just look in the outside world and, and then we wonder why we're so stressed looking to the future and looking backward. And by learning to, to not shift all things around, but to look more inwardly and become more, uh, we become more focused and more centered. Um, and this is what we want to do in our programs in, in, in the corporate world, so that we not just look to the outside, but that, that we look inwardly. And this is also the basic concept to train emotional intelligence. And I think we come to this a little deeper later. We will. Thank you, Peter. I, I want to remind our listeners that we are going to, I'm, I'm developing the topic with my guests, we are going to get to the business benefits, which is the business case for health. We're going to get to that as we continue our roundtable, but right now we're trying to talk about what is mindfulness, what is balance. Should we un, Are we unbalanced because we cling to this word, the balance word? So let's keep going, and then we will touch on, we will dive into actually the, the business case in a few minutes. Uh, Mark Lesser, I'd like to talk to you about some comments you sent me before the show. Some interesting thoughts here. You say emotional intelligence training and mindfulness practices support one another by creating an atmosphere of calm insight with emotional regulation. And then you add through regular consistent attention, our emotions can be worked with rather than working us. I love this concept. Why don't you explain to us, please, what is emotional intelligence training? Does that have to do with our responses to people, with our level of maturity, with when we get upset? Do we get reactive instead of proactive? Talk to me about the the meaning of this, and we'll ask Peter and Pamela to join us as well. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I actually I think I want to tell a story. I, I uh, please. I did a training, a search inside yourself training uh, at um, at Google a few weeks ago. This was a, um, a two and a half day training that we were doing there, and right in the middle, this was after. I think it was the beginning of day two. Uh, one of the uh, there was a young woman engineer who just. Uh, kind of burst out weeping. This is not something that happens, you know, uh, we, people don't think of this as happening in business. And I think this story may also help make part of the segue between why mindfulness, emotional intelligence, uh, balance are so, uh, what the business case is. Uh, so this woman in the middle of this training bursts out weeping. And what she says to the group is that uh, just just a little bit of stopping, pausing, reflecting, at work, pointed out to her 
how far she'd become from her own deepest inspirations and passions. And she said she just feels like she'd become really removed from her own life and that uh, doing some uh, mindfulness practice and talking about some of these um, emotional intelligence uh, competencies helped her connect more with, with herself. So when we talk about, um, you know, so emotional intelligence, the essence of it is uh, self-awareness. And then there's, through self-awareness, we can develop more skills like self-regulation, uh, like empathy, like leadership skills. And, uh, and these, these all together, uh, th- these all make a great case for becoming a more, uh, a, a more whole human being and also becoming more uh, a productive and a better, a better leader in our work lives. Mark, can we do another little bit of storytelling before Peter and Pamela come into this? Uh, give us an example, if you don't mind, please, of a, a meeting at work where three or four colleagues are sitting around the table and somebody comes up with an idea and one of them is quietly rolling their eyes and thinking, oh, damn, we have to go down this rabbit hole again. Uh, how would you? How would emotional intelligence training and presence and mindfulness support that person? Should they speak up? Should they shut up? W- where does it come into? I'm looking for a practical example of how people can understand how this will help them feel better at work. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to even tie this back to Pamela's last uh, story and the story about what is an appropriate response. So the, you, you, you named a particular situation, right? A, a, mm-hmm. meeting, a meeting that isn't, that isn't going well. What do you right. do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of it depends on the context and what is actually happening. But emotional intelligence and mindfulness will maybe even allow you to, instead of just, one thing you might do is, you know, often people just ignore it and keep going on and it's just another waste of time meeting. Mm -hmm. But perhaps with a bit of, um, a bit of awareness, a bit of mindfulness, you have some choices. So really mindfulness is about having more freedom and more, more skillful choices as to what to do in that context. You might want to actually turn to that person and say, um, What's happening here? I see. I see something is bothering you about what's happening. Can can we talk? Can we talk about it? Uh, mm-hmm. And and can we have can we have a difficult conversation? Maybe this isn't the first time. Maybe this person. Maybe there's something happening in this person's personal life that has nothing to do with what's happening in this meeting. But this person is having some real pain and suffering in in you know in their marriage or with their children you, we so it's rather than make assumptions rather than mm-hmm. so instead of making assumptions instead of reacting instead of ignoring we have a whole host of choices as to how to best skillfully respond to this situation thank you mark peter bolsterman what are your thoughts on this we're talking about with mark uh, methods you agree uh, anything else you want to add to that Oh, I just want to want to agree that the training of emotional intelligence based on the mindfulness training is very, very powerful, and that this leads to the freedom of choice. And I want to tie it back to what Pam said before, rearranging the furniture. I mean, in a way, these are the global conditions in business where everything uh, is in a, in a um, higher pressure of more profitability, and this leads to the mantra of everything has to go more and more, faster and faster with fewer resources. And in a way, this is, in my view, also rearranging the furniture. And this leads to an increasing burden 
of people, a mental, increasing mental burden. Um, the question is really how to stay balanced uh, in this increasingly pressurous world. And this training helps to stay more balanced, to stay more even-keeled, and to develop this, the, the freedom of choice, to really see what's there and to not be reactive, but to find an appropriate response. Thank you, Peter. Pamela Weiss, I want to talk to you in the same context, what we're discussing here from the standpoint of your appropriate response. Uh, what would be the appropriate response in your POV? Uh, and uh, The appropriate response to? To this situation where you're in a meeting and somebody is rolling their eyes, clearly disagreeing. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that um, the appropriate response is not a um, set thing, so there aren't a set of rules that we follow, but the training of mindfulness and emotional intelligence that Mark and Peter are referring to is a way to be awake and present in the moment so that we can find a creative and appropriate response to what's happening, and there's not just one way that that will look, right? So it depends what the situation is and who the person is. I think when we get into trouble is when we start applying or pasting rules onto how we're supposed to behave rather than trusting ourselves to really be able to be sensitive enough um, to respond in the moment. So it could be, as Mark suggested, um, that it opens up uh, a different way of engagement for us. And that's really the whole aim of the practice is to start to give people the possibility of responding in new and fresh ways rather than um, reacting in a more rote or habitual way. Thank you, Pamela. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit and go to some notes from Peter Bostelman. Uh, Peter, talking about the general global conditions, we haven't we haven't dived in yet to the, the cause of these symptoms, the issues of why we have the pressure. Let me read a little bit from your notes, and then I'd love for you to expand. You say, in times of global competition, companies underlie an increasing pressure on profitability. Yes, we know that. To meet their cost targets, this implies a mantra of more, 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 faster, faster, but with fewer resources. This, in turn, leads to increasing mental burden on their people, and we can observe an increase in stress-related illnesses, in companies around the world. Depression, burnout, cause tremendous health-related productivity loss. And now we're getting to not only the cause, but why businesses need to dive in and do something about it. Peter, would you uh, expand this for us, please? Yes, of course. I mean, this is really what, what, we, what we see and what we can observe. And then the question is, um, how to shift this? How to, how to create a culture where we help people that they can stay healthy and balanced under this under these conditions um, of more and more faster and faster. Um, there are there are certain questions. One is really who is responsible, or how do we how we how do we create a responsibility in an organization for well-being and for health in the organization? Mm-hmm. And um, as I said, we we observe uh, um, there reports, for instance, from the World Health Organization that there's increasing stress-related illnesses globally, like depression and burnout diseases, and this causes a tremendous cost of health-related productivity loss. Um, so it is about really learn not to in, learn to shift the organization and learn not to only invest in our professional knowledge, but in in our personal growth equally. So, and there is where, where again, mindfulness training and emotional intelligence training, training kicks mm-hmm. in. So training our people in this will support the culture. 
personal growth and empowerment. So it is it's really about uh, learning to see not just uh, what we're doing, but also how we're doing it, how we're relating to our work, and respond appropriately to all the requests which are coming. Thank you, Peter. Would you mind adding, uh, talking about, you mentioned to me the study from the Management Advisory Service 2012, Derek Mowbray, resilience expert, about the impacts of stress-related illnesses on the workforce. Could you talk about that study for a moment, please? Of course, yeah. Um, so, so there's, I mean, it, it's basically there's a strong, strong relationship between life balance and the ability to perform at the best level possible. As Mark said earlier, we all want to want to uh, have a very innovative uh, and and performant companies uh, and people in these companies, and there's a huge link between between being engaged and innovative and and between health and well-being of the people. So the study um, of the MIS. Uh, um, the Management Advisory Survey and one of the leading resilience experts is saying that 30% of the workforce at any given moment experience a sensation of stress and are therefore not feeling well, not experiencing success and happiness. Um, so stress is an, a huge inhibitor of performance and it leads further to um, the psychological presentation costs are an estimated 1.5 times of the combined cost of sickness, absence and staff turnover attributed to stress. So this really represents a massive underperformance in organizations and even more this represents a huge cost uh, um, stress-related. And even more it represents um, that if the organization is too stressed and if if the people don't don't have places they can be even killed, we take away a huge potential of the organization. So so, innovative companies, innovative employers start paying more and more attention to this training, to this um, to or to physical and mental health of their workforce. Um, and these are approaches which are going actually beyond just uh, the, the idea of wellness, and they include well-being. Um, let me give some examples from, from mm-hmm. what we're doing at SAP. So, yes. If you like. Um, yes, yes, yes. I said yes. I'm sorry. Yes, please continue. <laughs> I love it. We love examples. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah. So, so the one thing I mentioned earlier is that we started – rolling out uh, a pilot for mindfulness-based trainings of emotional intelligence uh, across the globe. And there were questions before, is this working? And we're very pleased that people, that the responses are extremely high. So it's not just working at Google, it's also working in a more conservative company like like SAP. And um, we're happy that we are becoming there, like a role model specifically in Germany and Europe. And SAP, for beyond that, we, we have, um, for instance, the Global Health Dice and Health for Innovation Weeks. So these are sessions um, which help to improve improve life balance, give advice on nutrition, how to better sleep, uh, and again also on uh, uh, developing your emotional intelligence and practical, um, practical examples. Um, and there are, beyond that, there are um, um, sessions that, that specifically for managers help them to learn how they can support their teams to learn about um, um, these uh, things and also to learn about early, let's say, uh, for instance, early warning signals. Um, how can you see that your team, uh, the uh, one mm-hmm. or people in your team get, um, get burnout, or that there are signs of depression, or that there are signs of um, um, any any mental uh, problems. Um, so that and they learn how to address this in an appropriate way um, to help these people and to keep the yeah to bring them again to to a place where they're happy what they're doing. So basically, um, the I mean our success lies in our people. And we want to help our people to to become uh, at, a, at, a, at the right place. So we want them to enjoy what they do. Basically, if people love what they're doing, it's very likely that they're doing a better or a great job. 
um, this is what what the what the whole thing is about. So that it's as I said before, it's not just focusing on what we're doing, what the output is, but also how we're doing mm-hmm. it and helping people to really step into their uh, highest uh, uh, capacities. And that benefits the organization. Uh, hearing you and and Mark talk and Pamela, I'm thinking that it seems to me that an organization top leadership has a couple of choices. Number one, you can wait until you see evidence that people are falling apart. I don't mean that in any derogatory way, but you see evidence of stress somehow. You see uh, absenteeism. You see uh, mental health breaks where they just they're just irritable or they're just not performing at their at their peak. Where you why you hire them, or you can take a proactive approach, which it sounds to me is the core of your role, Peter, and the work that Mark does and Pamela does. Uh, And you can say, let's not wait for people to fall down on the job because of emotional and physical stress. Let's give them the tools to prevent it or to nip it in the bud. Uh, Mark Lesser, am I right about that, that that proactivity on the part of management in bringing in mindfulness training would be the better of those two approaches? Yeah, completely. I mean, we really notice it. Like what, what Peter was saying, uh, I was thinking of some of the programs that uh, Peter and I have done together at SAP where we walk into a room and we, we've done some programs with uh, some senior executives as well as kind of from the general population of employees. And and just right away, you can see, you know, people come in, uh, come in and often they're in the middle of their busy busy work days and there is a kind of um, you can feel you can feel the tension you can feel the, mm-hmm. the stress and then uh, just very quickly just people kind of uh, having a place where they can uh, develop some tools in working with that stress not that we're, we're not trying to eliminate stress but we're helping mm-hmm. people to have a, a very different uh, relationship with it I was just looking at this um, I think this is from the uh, a Gallup survey. It's, it's a well-being index. It says that eight percent, eight percent of people strongly agree that they experience overall well-being because of their work. Uh, the vast majority of people think that their job is a detriment to their overall well-being. I think this really gets right to the right to the heart of the wow. matter. How how can we how can we help create um, create the kind of the tools. Uh, the tools and skills that people can really shift what uh, their their instead of uh, work being a detriment to well-being, to mm-hmm. make work a place where people it can support people's thriving. Mark, I have a question for you. you. Gave the example of executives walking into a room. Well, what if they're all distributed workforce? What if they're virtual workers? You can't see them. You can't see the whites of their eyes. You can't see whether they're really smiling or whether they're just putting it on. Uh, you can't see their physical examples of physical manifestations of stress. How do you tell when you're in, with a workforce that's mostly remote? Or is that where you need to have that proactive stance that we're going to help with mindfulness? So just in case somebody has stress, we're going to help them get, help give them the tools. Is that the approach? Well, as you point out, the the challenges of the challenges um, are certainly great. Um, that mm-hmm. the, the the challenges are are great when you're all working together. You know, even in a even in a small company in the same in the same room. Uh, mm-hmm. They get they get more challenging as companies companies grow, and then exactly. in in our in our distributed workforce, um, not so easy. But I think it all goes back. I think to uh, wh- whether even if you can't uh, see someone, 
to be able to be uh, to really tune in to tune in using mm-hmm. your ears, using your other senses, uh, yes. what is happening with this person again to to be able to have skillful conversations and to be able to uh, to be able to be, to build trust and real and real communication. And again, I think it all goes back to um, the the skills and tools of being able to respond effectively and appropriately in in many different kinds of situations. And it sounds to me like it's a very important for companies to train their managers to understand the signs of stress, even with remote workforce, that the managers need to know when to stop, look, and listen, and how to listen. Uh, Pamela, I'd like to bring you in on this for just a moment to talk about what, what Mark and Peter have been talking about. And then before we go to our break, which is coming up really fast, Mark, I'd like you to go through your five tips for maintaining daily mindfulness with a hectic lifestyle. I just want you to mention those. I don't want to read them. I'd like you to talk to them. But Pamela, thoughts on what we've just been discussing? Yeah, I I feel like um, mindfulness and the kinds of practices that that we are um, more and more bringing into organizations and seeing the getting really good clean data about the impact is it's not just about what we get rid of. It's not just about reducing stress and helping people you know, be less miserable, if you will. It's also <laughs> about tapping into a kind of possibility that mm-hmm. I think it gets lost for us. And so I just want to um, underscore that part that, as we all have been saying in various ways, that when we take on these kinds of practices, it's not just that I don't, you know, have a breakdown. It's also mm-hmm. that all kinds of new options, new ways of seeing, new ways of engaging begin to open and really bring a kind of freedom for people, bring a kind of um, creativity and innovation that I think people and certainly organizations are um, really looking for. That sounds wonderful, Pamela. Thank you for describing it that way. It sounds like a sigh of relief from the masses saying, yes, please help me here. Uh, Mark Lesser, can we quickly, uh, in the next minute and a half, can you take us through your top five tips for maintaining daily mindfulness given our hectic lifestyles, please? Yeah, well, these in particular are uh, five tips for how to deal with difficult situations and when difficult emotions arise. And the five are stop, breathe, notice, reflect, and respond. But I think in a way the first one, uh, the first one is to stop, mm-hmm. to, to pa- the practice of pausing. Uh, and, and again, even in the example that you asked about in a um, you're you're in a meeting and something is not going well. You you mm-hmm. maybe you notice maybe you notice something you notice something is not going well for you. Some strong emotion mm-hmm. is is arising, and just to stop, just to be curious about what is happening in your what is happening in your with your emotions, what's happening with your thinking. So just stop, and then maybe the other the other four are all you know are all great, but they're add-ons to stopping. Right, to take a breath just to take a deep breath. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that just adding more oxygen to your body can, can completely change what's happening with your body and your, and your mind. Notice. Notice what you're experiencing uh, on a moment-to-moment basis. What's happening? What are you feeling? And then to reflect, right? Um, ask yourself, um, uh, what's happening with my body right now? What, what's happening with my feelings? And then and then you can find a way to respond. And this can all happen 
this can all happen um, uh, in a matter of uh, seconds. And the response, a great, uh, a great way I often like to coach um, executives to ask themselves in, in trying to figure out how to respond is, what response might have the best possible outcome in this situation? And again, this is maybe the definition, going back to Pamela's an appropriate response, right? What response mm-hmm. might have the best possible outcome? And just asking that question can open up a whole set of possibilities that might not have been there before you ask yourself that question. Thank you very much, Mark. Pamela, I decided not to take a break. I'm being mindful of the time, but I'm being mindful that this is a really good conversation and there would be no point in stopping for 90 seconds. So I'm going to ask Pamela to cover one more point, and then I'm going to go around the table and ask you each for your predictions. You'll probably have about a minute and a half. Pamela, uh point you gave me is you said when people increase self-awareness, they also increase self-critique. Mm-hmm. Learning to work with your inner critic is a crucial skill in the workplace. And as we cultivate mindful awareness, how do we work with our inner critic? Just briefly. Yeah, it's one of the big lessons that I learned bringing mindfulness particularly into the workplace is that as people became self-aware, they didn't just stop at self-awareness. There was a whole level of commentary about um, oneself that looked a lot like self-critique. So um, I think one of the main things is to know is that often what we start to notice about ourselves as we begin to engage in these practices, uh, we may not like very much. You know, it might be like, ouch, I didn't know that I was so critical or so petty or so judgmental or something Mm -hmm. like that. Insecure or out of control. (laughs) Yeah, and I often like to say to people that when we first begin to take on this practice, it can feel kind of bittersweet. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is that the content of what we become aware of can be bitter. We may not like what it looks like at first because we're noticing things that, frankly, they've been there all along, but now we're seeing them clearly. But the the upside, the sweet part, is that the freedom that comes in the awareness of, or as we've been talking about, changing our relationship to what's happening, brings this kind of um, new possibility, sense of freedom, sense of not having to get stuck in doing the same old things the same old ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is pe- people I've seen so often reporting to go back to the original theme, that as they begin to it, to build that muscle in a way, they find that they create a much deeper sense of reconnecting in a, in a very sweet way with themselves and with other people um, in, their, in their work and in their lives. I like that. Pamela, guess what? We're up to the part of the show called the Crystal Ball Predictions. We are really tight on time. I can give you about 90 seconds. <laughs> Wrap up for me, please. Pamela Weiss, if we met again in 2020, I just like that year, but you can pick any year in your Crystal Ball, what would be different about the state of balance at work, the business case for health? Will more companies be more aware? Will people have had more mindfulness training? What do you see will happen in the next, let's say, six years? Talk to me. I would like to see that the kinds of programs that Mark and Peter and myself have been engaged in are no longer cutting edge. They're no longer seen as weird or touchy-feely, but they're just part and parcel of the norm and that people are able to take the benefits of that into a much higher level of functioning and of a kind of freedom, creativity, and uh, innovation. 
Pamela, do you think that's going to happen more likely in small companies, startups, or small to mid-size rather than big companies? Or do you think big companies are going to be on the cutting edge more in terms of seeing, as with Peter's position, seeing that it's time to do this? What's your quick thought? I think that wherever there is um, uh, a leader with some vision and foresight who's willing mm-hmm. to support this kind of program or programs coming in, that that's where it takes root. It, I don't think it matters so much whether it's a new company or an old company or a big one or a small one. Thank you, Pamela. Mark Lesser, time to wrap up. Crystal Ball, can you go to 20, 2020? I can give you ooh, two minutes. Go. <laughs> So I'm I'm completely agreeing with um, Pamela, and I do I I, I think that these um, these cutting edge programs will be standard and mandatory for executives and for people in many levels. That mi- mindfulness and emotional intelligence training uh, will will become uh, normative. I I think the the other thing that I'm predicting I've been is that people will value and utilize community a lot more than they do right now. And what I mean by that is I think it uh, people, there's a tremendous amount of wisdom uh, and learning that happens by people working together and spending more time in small groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I predict that in, in all the large companies across the globe, uh, almost everyone will be in some small group that is focused around developing um, you know, uh, personal development, work development, uh, and building, helping each other to become uh, more mindful and emotionally intelligent. Thank you, Mark. Interesting. One of our upcoming topics on our HR Trends with Game Changers series will be the following, collaboration, not just a fancy word for working together. So I have a feeling we're going to be, we're going to be nudging into that topic as well. Thank you so much. Peter Bostelman, you're up. Predictions? Do you want to go to 2020 or do you have a better year? I'll give you two minutes. Go ahead. I have two things I want to talk about. The one is I want to reiterate what Pam, what Pam said because I think it's very important. So mindfulness and training of emotional intelligence is not just about stress reduction, not just about keeping ourselves healthy. It is one main cause, but it's also it has a huge positive impact. And we didn't spoke much about the numbers about ROIs, but there are uh, very, very clear evidence in large organizations that this increases the mental clarity of people. That's what is what they report. It increases new new ideas, insights, personal excellence, the ability to focus. It increases happiness and well-being, and this increases performance. So this is the one point I want to make, that this is not just for the ones who have a health problem and who, who feel overwhelmed. It's also for the ones who feel pretty pretty good in their seat. It's about advancing your, your skills. And this is Great what point. I meant in the, initially, that this is cutting-edge technology. And my crystal ball prediction will be actually... Um, based on the results, I'm seeing in our company that in 2020, this will be common sense. It will be as clear mm-hmm. uh, as, it's t- as it is today, clear that jogging is helpful for your body. Probably not everybody will doing it, but people will know mindfulness is a very he- helpful technique. Meditation is a very helpful technique for your brain to improve, to grow uh, gray matter and to perform better in our very demanding world, um, but also in a very positive way. And you can see that many uh, many people, uh, many high leaders start to, to um, uh, uncover that they actually have a meditation practice. So far it was a little um, rather private, but more and more people say, oh, I'm doing this since many years and this is really helpful for my, for my job performance. And I think this is another thing we will see in, in a couple of years that it's way more, way more normal that, um, yeah, that 
people know that this is happening at, at um, any any level of leadership and in the companies and in the broader sense in communities. And my last prediction is that SAP will continue to be a thought leader and, and to be a role model for other companies. Um, or it will have been a, a, a thought leader for other companies in Europe to, to start with this. And we are very happy to share, I'm very happy, and we are very happy to share our experiences and to inspire other other um, strong leaders or people with a strong vision to bring this into their companies and to share our experiences. Thank you, Peter. I have a bonus question for the panelists. All I want is a yes or no answer. That's all we have time for. Will the influx of millennials, the younger, youngest of the workforce, we have four generations in the workforce right now, first time in history. The boomers aren't going anywhere, and the millennials are packing the halls. They're coming in. So with the influx of millennials into the workforce, Pamela, you're first, will the focus on mindfulness be easier for companies because millennials will want that, yes or no? Pamela Weiss? Absolutely. Okay, Mark Lesser? <laughs> yes. Okay, Peter Bostelman? Very clear, yes. Good, thank you. Pamela Weiss, Mark Lesser, Peter Bostelman, wonderful panel. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. I have some predictions of my own. Let's see, I'm going to go through the list. We are now doing seven live shows on SAP Game Changers Radio. I'll give you the lineup. Mondays, 1 p.m. Eastern, HR Trends, Season 3. Tuesdays, uh, 12 noon Eastern, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, Season 3. Wednesdays, we're right here every Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, with Coffee Break with Game Changers, a little show that started it all. Thursdays, we have two shows, The Customer Edge with Game Changers, alternating. I'm sorry, Wednesday afternoon, that's today. Customer Edge with Game Changers, one week alternating with the Internet of Things with Game Changers, and then Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, it's Future of Business, alternating with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. If that makes you dizzy, I have to get some mindfulness so I won't be dizzy. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a mindful game changer today. That's a little bit different. Have a great day, y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 